This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. On the show today, we're going to be talking about CEOs and how they feel about M&As and ESG. And we're doing this because according to the recent EY CEO Outlook Survey, CEOs in Malaysia and Southeast Asia are prioritizing the acceleration of investments and mergers and acquisitions to boost capabilities in technology, talent and innovation, as well as ESG and sustainability strategies in their pursuit for growth. So, Pok Tsai Ming, Senior Executive Director of Strategy and Transactions at Ernst & Young, is with me today to deeper dive into this new focus and what it means for organizations in Malaysia and the region. Zaiming, welcome to Resource Center. Hi Audrey, thank you. So Zaiming, before we even uh, dive into um, this, this renewed focus on M&As and of course ESG, I want to talk about uh, the 2022 EY CEO Outlook Survey. Maybe you can give us uh, some of the key takeaways from this year's uh, survey uh, and, and what you found interesting this time around. Okay, I, I mean, um, so so order after the CEO outlook. I think what we are looking at is we are we are surveying CEOs across Malaysia and across Southeast Asia. Uh, what are their strategic plans moving forward as they are coming out from the pandemic? I think some of the interesting point here is that uh, I think a lot of them are now starting to look at potential M and A deals. Uh, I think what what they are focusing on, if you think about it, uh, as they come out of the pandemic over the last two years, I think there's a lot of catch up in terms of growth story within their businesses. And, and they're starting to look at M&A, I don't want to key teams really about M&A and how they use M&A to grow their businesses. So, so that's one. I think the other one of the dominating teams that actually comes out of the survey uh, revolves around the sustainability kind of a conversation, ESG and how ESG now has played as part and parcel as uh, as their business uh, moving forward, I, um, which means that, you know, it's no longer about financial performance. I think there is a little bit more narrative around what is your sustainability story as part of your business going forward. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm also curious if there's um, if this is new for just 2022 with you know borders reopening and the economies you know uh, jumping back into action. Uh, was there a stark difference from what we noticed during the pandemic over this last two years? Um, I think maybe I can sum up in, in a simple way. I think uh, where we are today, uh, CEOs are looking at growth. So we're talking about growth optimization. Uh, whereas if you think about the common theme over the last year, it's really about preservation. Uh, mm. It's really about continuing to survive uh, during a, a event that has an unprecedented event that no one actually forecasted and no one knows how to deal with. Uh, and I think that's, that's really a stark difference. I think, I think two years ago, we don't know where we are going to be. But today, I think the, the sort of themes that we're getting is that they are prepared to live with the virus. I think we're prepared to move on. I think we're prepared to, 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 to what we would say, embrace the current new environment uh, and, and be creative and, and, and adaptive about it. I think that's, that's the really the big difference around it. Okay, so let's uh, now dive deeper into um, the renewed focus on mergers and acquisitions uh, to boost capabilities in tech, talent, and innovation. Now, um, why is M&A an important investment tool for Malaysian companies, and why are they focusing on M&As? Well, 
I think I think if you take a step back, um, in, in general, M and A has always been an important investment tool uh, for all the companies. I think ultimately, what co- uh, companies are aiming for is that they wanted to grow their business. So so most companies, you know, traditionally they use M and A as a way as a means to grow their business. Either they want to expand into the market, they never have any presence in there, they acquire a company that has that presence, mm-hmm. or two, they may want to consider attaining certain competitive advantage. It may be a technology, it may be a Product uh, they, they never had, and they acquired a company to acquire. So, uh, some just really uh, acquiring the same business in the same space they're operating for the sole reason of achieving synergies, you know, scaling up the business and ultimately bringing down the overall cost. Now, that's what we see uh, traditionally, and I think that's what, what why it's important. But I think it's even more important. So, uh, as how I kind of alluded earlier, uh, bringing back to the context of the pandemic, we are all coming out of the pandemic. Everyone has actually struggled and, and, and faced challenges over the last two years. So effectively, most of them actually lost two good years of their businesses, uh, mm. if I would say that. And, and, and as we come out of the pandemic, now everyone's coming out of the disruption and they are looking at how can they actually accelerate their recovery. Short of saying, I think, how can I make up the uh, two years that before I actually lost? And, and in order to accelerate this and, and in order for them to, to fix their actually business model, because business model today may no longer be relevant given the current environment, mm. um, it's really just acquire, acquire the right business, acquire the right uh, market they have never ventured into. Uh, and, 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 and most of the time actually acquiring technology or, 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 or talent or skills that they, they needed in order for them to survive. Uh, there are some people who say, you know, why, why, why acquire, why use M&A, why don't you just rebuild everything from scratch? That's what you've been doing over the last few years for your own business. Yes, you can do that as well, but I would say it would take time. Uh, you think about it, everyone just come out of the pandemic, everyone starts from ground zero. If your competitor takes a, a, a more accelerated mode in terms of growing while you take your time to build, uh, they are the thinking behind most of the CEOs is that would I be left out mm. of the uh, competition? So, so a lot of them actually started to choose M&A as a tool in order for them to, to, to accelerate the recovery. <clears throat> so if you take the stats from what we have uh, from our COO outlook uh, as well, so, so look at the trend. Um, in, in, in 2019, the global M&A deals, uh, I think it's about 2.4 US trillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it dropped by 100% when it came to year 2020 to all the way to 2.2 trillion US. The minute it comes to 2021, uh, the deal recorded actually increased significantly to all the way to US 5.5 trillion. Wow. So everyone globally, they have actually started to, to, to uh, look into acquisition to drive the growth. I, I know probably there's a pent up demand, you know, two years, not or one over a year, there's lockdown, there were no deals. But I think what CEOs and business are trying to do is actually to recover from the shock of the pandemic. And they start to adjust the investment strategies through the use of M&A. Mm. Um, so looking down, that, that's on a global trend, right? If you bring it down to the local level, adulation level. So in our survey, about half of the CEOs actually that we have approached during this survey indicated that they are accelerating their cross-border investment. And, and just over half of the CEOs within the Southeast Asia region are already expecting to actively pursue acquisition in the next 12 months. So what are they actually trying to pursue and why are they doing acquisition? I think a third of them... Uh, has indicated that the acquisition is meant for them to focus on improving their operational capabilities. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to rebuild their own business model. Um, 
and probably above just over a quarter of them uh, are trying to indicate that they will probably look at both on acquisition to increase their market share. Mm. Um, so so that, that's the sort of trend you're looking at you know, within our own region as well. But what's interesting in this way, uh, that which makes M&A really an important tool as well, is that the reason why they're actually driving the M&A, uh, and, and interestingly, a lot of them are actually exploring new technologies, AI robotics, uh, digital transformation, basically transiting their existing business of where they are today into something different uh, through digital transformation. So it's a lot to deal with transformational kind of a deal uh, they look at. The other key um, team that we have seen is actually, in a way, they want to achieve the ESG strategy as a way, as a means, uh, mm. which is actually quite interesting. Uh, and, and it's kind of what I've actually shared earlier, the Takala team. Uh, it's no longer about commercial sense. There's also an ESG aspect in terms of the way they run the business or the way they make the decisions around um, the, the, the investment strategy. And, and I think lastly, it's also for them to to look at addressing the current supply chain issue which they have actually faced during the lockdown and, and start to think about, you know, how, how do I build a better supply chain uh, uh, or manage the supply chain risk better in, in, in face of, of uh, future shocks. Um, mm. So, yeah, that, that's that's a bit of uh, gist of why, why I think, you know, m is, is really an important tool and, and how CEOs are looking at it. I also want to ask about, you know, considering the ongoing geopolitical environment, you know, what are some of the considerations that companies are taking into account moving forward? Uh, moving forward? Oh, so that's that's a very good question, actually, because uh, to, to keep it simple, I think in general, it's really, at the moment, it's really the cost of doing business, mm. right? Uh, and, and there are two key dominating teams that, we are having conversation with our clients recently. The first is really the inflationary pressure. I think everyone talks about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Labour cost has gone up, commodities has gone up, uh, the cost of doing business has gone up. The, the other theme uh, we talk about is really the disruption of the uh, supply chain. And and I think, you know, if you, if you think about it, again, it's really about the pandemic, right? If, if you think about the pandemic has a hand in, in contributing to these two key teams, but in actual fact, the geopolitical environment itself has actually worsened it, uh, mm. uh, the whole situation. So, so what we've seen here, I, I think from the survey, 9 out of 10 CEOs that we have actually surveyed, they are concerned about the inflationary pressure uh, in view of the labor costs, you know, as I mentioned earlier, raw materials and commodities. But then on the supply chain side of things as well, 9 out of 10 CEOs already have started adjusting and are planning to adjust the supply chain. Um, so, so question is why, uh, you know, why are they doing this, and how are they actually responding to, to, to some of this as well. So, uh, two years they've gone through pandemic-related shutdown has actually wreaked havoc on the whole mm. global supply chain. Uh, and if you think about it, it's, it's not just the pandemic. What they've done is that they have they may have wrecked the supply chain, uh, uh, disrupted the whole entire supply chain uh, itself, but. Over the years as well, if you realize the labor cost, the energy cost has risen, actually it's risen even more. Uh, this year, uh, freight rates actually jump up uh, higher than, than pre-pandemic level. Uh, what you also face in the business is really mounting warehousing costs. Uh, you have sales that were lost because of the delay. Now you add all this up, the disruption, the cost increase, it all goes boils down to the cost of doing business. It has increased tremendously for most of the CEOs. And this has become kind of a common theme 
or what we say the common challenges for most CEO as they try to recover out of the pandemic. And these are things that they are looking at. Uh, and, and, and I say that's why it's no surprise. I think a lot of CEOs it started to focus on cost optimization in their supply chain itself, given the fact that it's a lot more global now in terms of the way they do business. But also along the way, I think what they want to do is to try to minimize uh, the risk of any disruption by building some form of resiliency uh, within their, their supply chain. And, and that actually leads to the other question, how business are responding to this concern as they move mm. forward. Mm. Um, and, and what's interesting here is that in the survey, about 43% of the CEOs are actually prioritizing investments in existing business. Uh, I talked about earlier transformational type deals where you have digital transformation uh, and, and some for sustainability kind of a, a theme around their investments around it. And, and um, where we're looking at here is really the investment are really focusing on technologies, technologies that could uh, potentially help them to address labor-intensive issues through automation. I think that's what they all started to look at uh, in the longer term. Or some may even start considering to retrain or reskill their workforce just to help the workforce to transit to a more digital technology or digital environment from where they are. So really, the common theme, I think, I think you know, when moving forward, uh, a lot of business, you don't, you no longer operate the way you operate before. A lot of them are starting to start thinking about changing the way you operate, and, and changing the way you operate helps them to actually manage some of the costs that they're operating within. So, um, yeah, so, so, so what, what, what ultimately, going back to the team, is really about the cost of doing business and whatever they're doing now, the investments, they are putting in it's ultimately to actually pursue a longer term solution to some of their operating costs. Right. Okay, it is time for us to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we discuss how CEOs feel about ESG and sustainability in their investment decisions. All that and more happening on Resource Center. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Burden Free Malaysia BFM 89.9 The Business Station you are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Pok Zaiming. He is the Senior Executive Director of Strategy and Transactions at Ernst & Young. And we are discussing uh, some key findings from the 2022 EYCO Outlook Survey. Now, um, Zaiming, before the break, you were talking to us about uh, M&A, the renewed focus on M&A, uh, you know, post-pandemic or as we transition into endemicity for CEOs. Uh, as well as ESG and sustainability. That's also a renewed focus. Um, so how do CEOs observe ESG and sustainability uh, in their investment decisions? Thanks, Audrey. I, I, that's, that's a good question uh, because I think ESG is something new uh, to us, but it's something very real uh, to every businesses around the world. Um well, I wouldn't say new in Malaysia, but not new globally. Because if you think about it globally at the at the level, uh, the acceleration of the climate change has in fact impacted the businesses around the world, and 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 globally there is a growing pressure on companies to respond to climate change. Um, there is already an integration of ESG factors into institutional investors uh, at this point of time, and and that actually affects their investment decision. 
uh, they started to choose uh, businesses that are more green or they are working towards uh, sustainability versus businesses that are actually increasing the carbon footprint across the world. Now, in Malaysia, um, I think what Malaysia is trying to do is something, they are trying to commit to achieve a carbon neutrality. I think it's mm-hmm. early 2050. And I think there are plans now to introduce environmental economic instruments uh, such as carbon pricing or carbon tax to achieve this. Now, in preparation for where Malaysia is heading to, obviously, um, I think there are a lot of things that that that, that CEOs are started to 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 think behind the back of their business. Okay, how do I actually um, adopt to this new trend that's being introduced now in Malaysia? Not not just even Malaysia. I mean globally, how do we adopt to this? So so in our survey, I think even at the regional level, about seventy four percent of the CEOs of the Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia has identified ESG as something as important when it comes to strategic decision making. So these are teams that are already within the CEO's mind uh, when it comes to them making a decision or, or where they want to take the business to. And mm. in Malaysia, it's up about 67% of the CEOs that we have surveyed indicated that they by becoming, they believe by becoming a sustainability leader, they believe they can gain competitive advantage. Uh, they believe that it's no longer just financial, it could actually help them to lower cost of capital and even actually build a strong foundation in their company in a longer term strategy. So these are some of the thinking that is actually going around within CEO's mind uh, when it comes to ESG. And and really to do this, I think investment decision, uh, as I said before, will go really beyond financials and your quarterly results because financial performance is no longer enough for you to attract the investors' lens uh, if they want to invest in, in your businesses. So, so one of the soft KPIs that we are starting to look at uh, would be on the financials. So you have the ESG ratings. And, yeah. and, and in fact, the CEOs that we've interviewed in Malaysia, um, over a third of them basically recognize that you know, the important ESG ratings to attract investors. I think that those are, are the starting point where you can, you can bring investors in and, 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 and help you with your capital and fundraising. But it's not just that. I think, I think it's not just about trying to strive for ESG rating. I think CFO also have to put on the ESG and the sustainability lenses in their own investment decision in the way they operate as well. Hmm. They need to have a clear, well, I would say a very clear and robust narrative and a very strong business case for investment capture on ESG value. It's not just, just a, what would you say, a statement. It's really hmm. about taking action, uh, taking ESG uh, 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 action into your own business and how do you build a sustainable transformation. Ultimately, it needs to be that sort of narrative back to the investors that, you know, these are the things that we are doing. This is how operations uh, will change moving forward. And ultimately, what does it mean to the business? Uh, It's not just about fighting climate change because as climate change, your business will be affected and how by doing certain actions, sustainability or ESG related actions will help you create, well, operational cost savings, uh, even reduce your impact of ESG risk. Uh, uh, and, and at the end of the day, it really also, uh, to a degree, enhance your corporate branding itself. Mm. So I think that, that's essentially what, what CEOs are, are looking at uh, at the moment, ESG-related uh, kind of teams. Mm. Now, Zaimi, I also just want to ask generally, uh, what else is concerning CEOs today? You know, what else keeps them up late at night when they're thinking about uh, mitigating risk or uh, exploring new investment opportunities? 
Yeah, so I, I think I think there's a lot of things uh, has changed uh, since the pandemic, uh, and and I think the way we operate our business has changed. The landscape has changed as well. So so one interesting thing that we have done was that we have issued a a, a report, the EY business pulse survey, uh, sometime in March uh, this year, and and that that survey uh, kind of involved about 500 companies. That includes large companies as well as micro, small, medium enterprise as well. And, and interestingly, in, in that report, interesting in, in that in that survey, there are a couple of interesting teams uh, that we have identified. So what was very clear is that the majority of the Malaysians are prepared to live with the COVID nineteen uh, virus. You know, they have accepted the fact that this is the norm. Uh, they accepted the fact that there will be people going on on on, on uh, away from work because of the virus. They may be potential shutdown, the risk is there because they've experienced it. But what they've also seen is that in the course of them preparing to live with the virus, they're also prioritizing in technological adoption uh, in the immediate term. I think what they, they, they've seen is that they need to adopt the environment and need to have the right technology in order for them to actually survive any other future shocks that's going to come uh, moving forward. So it's really no surprise, right, that as, as, as uh, if you look at the last two years, the whole COVID-19 pandemic has actually accelerated a lot of the company's adoption of technology. We've been talking about technology, digitization, even well before the pandemic itself. And what we're seeing now is that the pandemic itself has kind of accelerated the adoption uh, by most of the companies. I think what they want to do, a lot of companies are doing now, is really to transition uh, from a, a what we like the brick and mortar kind of environment where they are to a digitally enabled work environment. Uh, it, it offers, I think a lot of them start to see that, you know, the sort of flexibility, the agility of the business through digital enhancement and transformation can help them to survive even if there is a shock into the environment that's being, um, even when a shock is introduced into the environment. Hmm. But all agree this is where we want to be. I think all businesses agree where we want to be. I think that the challenge is actually how do you transit from from where you are today in the sort of business that you've been building over the last 10, 20 years into a digital environment. I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges mm. uh, that, that most businesses are facing at the moment. And, and there are a couple of, of points that we actually find out where, where I think support is needed. Uh, first is really upgrading the existing digital technology. Uh, the technology that they have pre-pandemic, whatever they have, is not enough, it's not fit for purpose. If you want to be more agile, if you want to be more uh, flexible in terms of businesses, and I think there's a lot of times, I think they, a lot of help is needed in terms of upgrading the digital technology. The second part is actually building the business a bit more resilient, which means you, you need to start thinking about building more channels that you reach out to the customers. The way you reach out to your customers before the pandemic and the way you reach out to customers post-pandemic is very much different. Uh, there's no longer a single channel source to your customers. They need to be different. Uh, even also the adoption of, of, of uh, how would you say, uh, using your data that of your mm. customers to understand changing behaviors as well. So so business now needs to be more resilient. That is that it is no longer about this business as usual uh, for them. Uh, the third part that we actually identify is, is really the resources for business recovery. Um, given the fact that shock is a given, uh, things would go. There, there will be event-driven situation that will disrupt the businesses. Uh, the whole question here is that if it's disrupted, do you have necessary the resources for you to recover almost immediately? You know, it, it, it could be uh, another pandemic or it could be a flood, which mm. rarely happens. 
that does happen, but it rarely happens in the scale that actually affects the business. So if that if that, that does happen, how do you do you have the necessary resources for you to actually restart the business again and, and recover your business almost immediately? Um, and, and lastly, it's really about redesigning your physical premises. Uh, I think if you see a lot of the offices today, you know, when you bring in the work from home concept, yeah. you need that office space as well. Uh, do you even need a permanent desk? I think I think uh, what we've seen a lot of clients they are looking at, at kind of a hybrid culture at the moment. It's mm. okay to work home, uh, and as a result of that, I don't think you need that much of an office space. So there is a lot of changes, but you know, in terms of the, the transition, is it's going to be something that you are so used to over the last twenty years, ten years in your business, and moving forward to something that's really unknown. I think. Uh, businesses require that sort of support uh, in order to, to help them and and so it's very clear that uh, you know where, where businesses need support they, they, they want to move out the recovery they want to grow the business they want to get into new business partnership new business model but ultimately where they are going now is going to be an uncharted territory mm-hmm. and, and that's why that's one of the key teams you know, in terms of guidance where they're going to need uh, in order to help them to, to, to move from where they are today and all the where where they envision to be moving forward. Right. Now, Zaming, mean, before I let you go, I mean, we've dis- we've discussed um, quite a few pain points uh, over the last half hour or so, um, as well as opportunities. So what would you say are the next steps for CEOs uh, in Malaysia and in the region? No, so, so I think um, they are... I think in, in our mind here in EU, I think there are three broad teams, you know, next steps for CEOs, so I'll score each of them. Um, the first is really about dealing with the pandemic, uh, which is what we have discussed earlier. You're going to live with the virus, you're going to live with the, with, with the shock, you're going to expect that. So, so how do you live with, deal with the pandemic itself? So, so for businesses, it's really you need to revisit your internal processes and reconfigure them and re-strengthen them. And, and this needs to be done uh, periodically. Uh, it's really a scenario analysis, test your own processes. Are you agile? Are you resilient enough for any other shocks? So it's really about risk mitigation uh, when you look at it. Because whatever works back then may no longer work today. It's no longer fit for purpose uh, in the new landscape. So that sort of thinking needs to be great in businesses. Um, and because we always... We have now experienced an unforeseen shock. It can happen again. Mm. But the problem is that history won't be much of a help because sometimes the, the, the very reason it's unforeseen shock is that you've never seen it before. And, and therefore, the, the sort of going back to the scenario planning, I think there, there needs to be that sort of a thinking now. The, the, the unexpected could happen. If the unexpected happened, what is your plan? And how do you mitigate those risks? Uh, I think that the sort of the thinking that we have to start living with uh, rather than start forecasting based on what has happened in the history as a proxy to the future. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's the whole theme about dealing with the endemic. Now, the second theme is really about investment strategies as, a, uh, as, as an opportunity for businesses. Uh, and, and yes, you know, we talked about earlier the, the CEO outlook, everyone's trying to invest actually to get the better of the cost, uh, to, to lower the cost of this or to offset the cost of doing business itself but as you embark on an investment strategy across uh, there needs to be a focus on efficiency and the emphasis of, of stakeholder management it's not just about running the business you are managing various different stakeholders the employees the shareholders uh, even the activists you know from an ESG perspective I think there is needs to be a focus on the longer term than the short term upside uh, for CEO 
um, and, and as you embark on some of the investment strategies, there are a lot of treasure within your business. Uh, I touched earlier a little bit on, on some using your own data to predict consumer mm-hmm. changing behavior. I think these are things that, you know, you, you, you businesses may be collecting this data, they may not be using it. Uh, these are some things that they actually start thinking about because it helps you chart out the sort of investment strategy that you're looking at moving forward. And, and I think I think lastly, uh, I mean, I'm going back to the theme about engaging stakeholders and, and investors as well. Um, I think the stakeholders are actually taking a lot more uh, active role uh, where we are. I think CEOs also needs to be active as well in engaging with them. If there are concerns, we do have to be prepared to respond to them quickly and then articulate a newer vision in the soft environment. Um, so that that's really the second team in terms of, of investment. I think the last one, uh, the big the, the team that I'm looking at is I think for all CEOs, it's really about transformation. Mm-hmm. You are now to uncharted territory. You're in a different environment. What is your transformation story? Is there a transformation deal in your business as well? And as as you weigh your transformation, it could be, you have to start weighing between you build and buy. Now. We touched earlier about you know M and A as a route to go through. There are some that prefers to build uh, because they are uh, it may make sense for them. Uh, they may have the capability. They may want to build it. Uh, it may not make sense to bring in a new technology that may not complement the business. So there is a weightage between whether you want to buy or you want to build out of it there. But ultimately, as you as you look at your own existing transformation, revisit your own portfolio of investment. You may have various business itself and start thinking of all the portfolio business that you have which other one that you think you can fix if it's possible to fix let's fix it if it's something that doesn't no longer relevant uh, to your investment direction or your strategic direction moving forward sell it and if you can't sell it you know if it's something of a business that no longer makes sense or commercial sense to the business or even from an ESG lens itself Perhaps you want to close it or sell it out, out of it. Uh, ultimately, is is whatever business you want to maintain and take over or continue, it needs to be the sort of business that you can that complements your existing vision moving forward. And obviously, no transformation comes with risk because you're transiting from something that you've never done before. Do try to understand what are your unfamiliar business and the assets and do as continue to assess the soft risk. So I, I think these are the top three common themes that we've been, we've been thinking around at EY. And these are some of the steps that I think CEOs should be looking at uh, in, in obviously in the next 12, 12, 18 months going forward. Right. Uh, Zaiming, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I've been speaking with Pok Zaiming, Senior Executive Director of Strategy and Transactions at Ernst & Young. If you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. My name is Audrey Raj and on behalf of Zaiming from Ernst & Young, thank you for joining us on Resource Centre. See you again next week week, BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.